On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Guillaume Binet. He is the VP of Software Infrastructure Emotional. We're going to be talking about an interesting topic, how to write safer code. And we're going to talk about this from different aspects. We're going to be talking about some of the challenges that go into producing safe code, some of the team pressures, accountability, avoiding ownership gaps. Guillaume has a fantastic background in in this area. I'm excited to have him on to talk to us. Uh, Guillaume, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, uh, I'm honored to be on the Amio. Thank you. Awesome, man. So two things. One would be to let us know what Motional does at a high level. And the second would be is, you know, what is your responsibilities as the VP of software infrastructure? Yeah, so Motional is a developer of um, AV uh, solutions, right? Uh, we are aiming uh, to uh, AV as like autonomous vehicles. So we are aiming at uh, deploying a fleet of uh, self-driving vehicles in the taxi business, basically. So um, uh, shared AVs that can be uh, basically asked uh, on the Lyft network, for example, for rides at various places like Las Vegas, which is our first target as uh, an operating area. As for myself, software infrastructure is pretty wide in terms of responsibilities. Uh, so you imagine we have values like uh, pieces that needs to come together to actually make an autonomous vehicle. There is the vehicle itself, but we have our partner Hyundai that is providing that for us. But then we need to actually put compute, so that's hardware. And you, you have uh, some infrastructure software, so that's my team. And on top of that, like algorithms, that's another team, which is uh, autonomy, right? Uh, there is a missing piece, which is uh, the cloud tooling. Uh, when, when you are making like um, an autonomous vehicle, you need a lot of like uh, tooling support in terms of ingesting logs, uh, sorting them out, getting metrics, training algorithms, and, and so on. And that's my team too, right? So often I say like, my teams are, have like from beaten bikes, from drivers and OS from on the car up to the cloud in terms of uh, responsibilities in, on the infrastructure. Absolutely. I don't know if you ever sleep. It sounds like a lot of different um, moving parts. So I'm excited uh, to have you on to share with us. So let's talk at the highest level. I know we're going to talk about writing safer code. And again, we made a distinction of it's not uh, writing secure code, but safer code. And I guess when we're talking about safer code at the highest level, can we maybe just get your views on what that means and use that as a jumping off point? Yes. So when you talk about safety, right, you often think about, um, I don't know, like hardware, right? Like, in a, I don't know, in a, let's say in, a, uh, in the industry, the big red button thing you press and the machine stops uh, to be sure that we're really safe. Or you think about, um, I don't know, aerospace industry, right? You have a plane and everything needs to be according to whatever rules you have to make the operation of this system in general like safe, right? When you start to um, insert software, right, it becomes a little bit different, right? So, for example, right, like for planes, right, they do what we call, for example, uh, code diversity, right? You think, you think, yeah, the software is a little bit complex, so let's implement it like three times by three different teams and have it vote on, on the airplane itself, right? Which really think, like, goes into like, uh, things where the traditional way of we are thinking about safety start to be at the fringe of what is actually applicable for software, if you see what I mean. So, that's the big challenge of writing safe code, especially in, in, AV, uh, in the AV industry, right? For example, like cars, like vehicle manufacturers, like OEMs, they do have rules to actually make not only the, the car itself safe, like 
when you break, it's always break. But also the software on those vehicles, safe, right? Like a um, way of certifying, if you will, like convincing like bodies that when developers develop like, a, let's say your ABS algorithm, like uh, saying like, yeah, all the logic to not block the wheels, but at the end of the day, the car stops, right? They have like a bunch of rules, right? Uh, for example, there is like a, a norm called ISO 26262, right? That really had like good thought about like how to be sure that software that is critical in the safety function of the car kind of never fails or if they fail in, in a not dramatic fashion, right? When you are actually starting to go into like more complex software, you see that that's really hard, right? To implement because like the complexity is, is combinatory, right? Like the number of line of code and, uh, and type of algorithms we are actually implementing on the car becomes like really hard to manage in that framework, like in the ISO 26262 framework. So that's a big challenge of uh, writing complex software for an AV vehicle. Yeah, that's, that's actually a great like insight in terms of what challenges you're seeing and uh, some of the analogies make a lot of sense. When you're looking at people versus process, right? I guess you're, you're managing multiple teams. Everyone's focused on you know the same goal. Uh, these are mission critical products, you know, autonomous vehicles, have certain safety and stringency that I'm sure is discussed all over the internet and the podcast world. That's not about this podcast, but when you're looking at people versus process, you know, within the context of writing safer code, how do you start looking at the balance? That seems like it's partly art, partly science. I mean, you know, as a layperson, it seems like it's a quite an arduous task to find the right middle point. That's an extremely good question, right? Like, Usually, when you think about process, you think about an organization that, or even like an industry, more than, than even an organization, right, that started to learn, right, how processes are actually made, usually by self-learning. You make a mistake, right? Whoops. <laughs> you go back, you do like a post-mortem or that kind of framework that is uh, driving the process creation, right? And then you, you say, yeah, we missed that, or and we kind of uh, avoid the human mistake by actually adding more rules to the way we are actually uh, doing things, right? So when I see this equilibrium, it really depends on where you are in, in terms of maturity in your own domain. You see, again, like if you look at aircrafts, they have been like kind of incrementing on those processes for decades and decades, right? Today, it's so much like a kind of uh, ingrained knowledge that is on all those checklists and processes, right? That is it's very hard to actually change anything, right? Like I remember, so I have my pilot license, right? And I remember when I was asking, yeah, those engines were, what are they, right? Like, uh, oh, they must be like a tip top in terms of technology. That's a plane engine, come on. I know they were actually engines that were made in the 30s and the design never changed. It just like I crystallized this thing until it worked perfectly, right? And whatever failure you had, it was every single failure mode we are known, right? And that has a lot of value, right? You project that in the modern world on, on like really uh, like cutting edge this time around, right? Cutting edge like uh, machine learning algorithms. We are kind of like um, inventing our, our story as we go, right? So that's where people are actually really important, right? The culture of safety is critical because at the before actually going into convincing somebody else, like through like norms and so on, that are actually in the making, a lot of like people are trying to think about this, those like uh, autonomous vehicles and how to make those kind of like more regulated or like kind of rules to make them, right? 
in the meanwhile, right? In the meantime, sorry, we need to figure that a, a little bit ourselves. And that's possible with actually a culture of safety and people that actually apply like common sense to what they are doing. And like also ownership in terms of like, yeah, whenever you do, you, you create your piece of software, right? If you, I mean, you need to basically be sure that your thing works kind of end to end, right? Because like, again, that's new, right? So maybe we don't really know how to test this, right? So, okay, you pick your piece of software and then you go help test engineer saying, yeah, my thing is doing this and uh, the normal behavior is that. And then please uh, apply your own judgment in terms of like, yeah, how do you make sure that you are actually testing all the fringe cases, right? How What, what are the failure modes, right? Like really deep dive into it, right? In, in terms of um, validating that this thing is actually behaving correctly. That, and when you look at another way, you can actually uh, look at it in terms of like uh, globally, if you make like a big uh, piece of software and you want to see if that works, right? It's a little bit statistically, right? Like a little bit applying this uh, learning uh, like kind of feedback early with data, right? So for example, at Mochulo, that's what we do. We, for example, if we see something, the card misbehaves, let's say on a track on a specific uh, instance, we create what we call like a, a simulated scenario, right? That reproduces that on the cloud virtually, like with the software in the loop. And then we uh, we make variations of them and so on. They could be also um, from the real world, like from the, the car on the, on the street. And we have this corpus that grows and grows and grows and grows, right? That kind of build the confidence a little bit like exhaustively, a little bit like in a brutal fashion, right? That what we are doing is not regressing. Like you, you know, when a, uh, an engineer is actually developing something, you can see have a kind of a, a quick feedback, right? And that's not really something that's very common, right, in the industry, right? Usually when you think about a safe system, you think about, oh, yeah, we first we'll do all the requirements and then uh, we'll go into like detailed requirements and, you know, the, the infamous V, right? And then we check against all those requirements for the tests and then you go and you validate your end system, right? When you kind of design as you go, it's really hard to do this. You do like little Vs, right? Like micro Vs if you want, right? But having it like upfront, saying exactly what you'll do in whatever like piece of uh, software you, you have, this is impossible, right? So we need to be like a little bit smarter, right? And again, that's where like people uh, are very important in that process. Yeah, and I guess in that sense, I mean, when you talk about airplanes, I mean, it's interesting, 1930s engine, you know, obviously any changes to an engine obviously require a certain amount more testing. So you know, what's not broken, <laughs> let's not fix it. I mean, I'm sure they're gaining efficiencies, but something what you guys are doing and you know, just in the AV industry and you know, could be other areas, but you're talking about innovation that's still ongoing. Obviously, there's got to be a balance of, you know, trying to focus on safety, but you're still trying to innovate and you know, find those breakthrough technologies and still push the envelope of what technology can provide while knowing the end product, you want, you know, safe code. Like when you're looking at that, and I guess, you know, it goes back to maybe some people in process as well, but when you're looking at balancing that innovation component, I guess, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, that, that's an extremely good question, right? That's why you probably need a system, right? That is not really uniform, if you see what, what I mean, right? You, you need to be able to have, let's say, the new things, right? Like machine learning algorithms, uh, things that are, not conventional in terms of safety, a kind of boxed in a system that is safe, right? So uh, that's 
also what we do at Motional, right? We have kind of redundant systems and the redundant systems are more traditional, right? Like let's say they are more like derived from AEB, like automatic uh, emergency braking, right? Which is like something that the industry knows, right? We know how to specify that. We know what are the, I don't know, the operational parameters of, of them and so on, right? And a lot of checks, right? Like a lot of like uh, monitoring uh, on, on top of it, right? So having this uh, like dual prone approach, it's good for both sides, right? Like one, we, we have things we can rely on in terms of safety. We can demonstrate that, yeah, okay, this part it might be like what we call like QM, right? Which is like a, a level of safety that is not completely certified, right? But we have a lot of like a, like certified code on certified monitoring that is actually monitoring the behavior of your smart algorithm, if you will, right? So that's another way of uh, looking at it, kind of getting the base of both worlds so you can innovate, on, but in a kind of a, almost a sandbox uh, thing that is safe, right? Absolutely. When you're looking at the people side of this, obviously, you know, we're talking about safe code. You're talking about potentially, you know, situations where people's lives are impacted. I mean, that's a tremendous pressure, I guess, when you start thinking about the outcome. When you're looking at your team and kind of you know, what you guys are trying to build and produce and kind of the, you know, the AV spaces make, would make a massive impact in society, does the team actually you know, feel the pressure? Is that something that comes into play or is it you know, so focused on producing the best you know, that you can that you kind of can block out, hey, we're doing something really big and it's got to be safe? Yeah, so definitely, right? So that's something that where like, we can come back to ownership, like like. What in terms of like um, team, let's say culture, you need to uh, ingrain, right? Is what I call the one team spirit, right? Think about it like any little part of the system where somebody is responsible to produce, right? Could have a large impact into the goal, right? Safety or even like in terms of implementing uh, an AV, right? So an AV is basically a robot, right? And a robot often like when you come from a software industry, like myself, what surprised you when you're making robots is that everything is really intertwined, right? Like from a little defect in the hardware to the sensors, to, I don't know, the networking in the car, the compute, the algorithms, the monitoring, and so every single step along the way, actually, it's more like a chain than anything else, right? With like, let's say, like a lot of monitoring on the chain, right? But that's kind of the reality we are living with, right? So it means that everyone needs to be cognizant that, yeah, they, um, uh, they need to actually really connect with everyone on that chain to be sure that everything is working, right? On the safety side, it translates into, uh, actually, we have a, a process, like uh, talking about processes, called um, the red button process at Motional. That I found uh, amazing, right? It's common in companies that are implementing a culture of safety where uh, basically anyone, like literally anyone that could be a tester, an engineer, or like another engineer, anyone, right, for any reasons, if they feel the product is not safe from their viewpoint, they can press the red button. Then we have a kind of a review, right? We have a process uh, associated with this, right? We say, okay, that is your concern. Let's look at it. And uh, that's our way of kind of saying, okay, either like maybe somebody is wrong, but that's fine, right? Maybe that's not exactly what you were a specialist of and you, you missed something. But it's, it's better that somebody does that and we say, oh, yeah, it's okay, right? Than, than the, the opposite, right? So we encourage that, you know what? There is no problem. We, let's continue. Thank you so much. And if you see something else, continue, right? But if there is something, right, we really establish what is the issue, right? How we will um, kind of implement a solution to be sure that it never happens again, right? And implement it. Of course, when somebody presses the right button, we stop all our operations, right? 
So I think that's part of the thing also in terms of people, right? Uh, there is this psychological safety you need to have, right? People need to trust you as a leader that, okay, I've seen something that is safety related, suddenly disconnects a little bit the judgment we can have on, on you, right? It doesn't matter. Safety thing, listen to you, whoever you are, and, and we look at it. You wasted resources out of it. It's fine. Let's move on. Let's go to the next thing, right? So I think that's really important when you are making like a, a complex system like this because your people are your best alive, right? They are working with the system day in, day out. They are looking at the behavior of the car on the road. They are on the track and uh, the simulations and so on. They, they have a really good view, kind of a distributed view of the safety of your system when you think about it. I guess it's interesting because I think, you know, when you're talking about avoiding gaps in ownership, the red button seems like it's an amazing tool. Like if you see something, take action. The accountability is important because we need to know who, but not on the flip side of there should be shame if you're wrong. And I think a lot of times what happens is you don't want to create a culture where people are afraid to hit the red button because the accountability of being wrong is more impactful to them than being proactive and potentially, you know, it being a false alarm. Exactly right. Like um, also our postmortem process, right? It's really written like in bold letters. It's a blameless postmortem, right? But we say that when people make mistakes, right? Uh, let's say somebody could, uh, let's say, um, I don't know, develop a piece of code that ended up like going through all our testing. We, we do like a bunch of testing, like uh, from like unit tests, but like with a guaranteed coverage, right? To uh, like a simulation test, re-simulation test. Test on that frack and so on. There is a lot of validation across uh, all this, right? But if by any chance, like a, a piece of code, right, goes through uh, part or, or all of this uh, testing apparatus, right, we do a postmortem, like saying, like, yeah, that should never happen, right? But okay, let's look at it, right? We don't blame the code there, right? We blame our process in terms of testing our system. That should not happen, right? And I guess when you're looking at you know, going back to the red buttons, interesting because you'd mentioned something about, you know, safety on paper certifications versus reality. And you have this red button. When it comes to actually viewing, you know, paper certifications versus what you're seeing and how it's implemented in reality, where does the ownership fall there? Because obviously, you know, it's one thing to say it's certified and a checkbox is done, but the other is, is it to the standard we want it to be based on our use case and application? Is there any factors in that? It has, right? Especially when your certifications don't really match, are a little bit lagging compared to what you are doing, right? You can imagine there is kind of an impedance mismatch, right? So Olivia, one of my engineers, actually put that right. Uh, and I, I like to repeat our, our phrase. We need to convince ourselves first before convincing somebody else. And when you think about it, when you look at all those like uh, certification processes and so on, right? They kind of make sense, right? In their own context, right? So if you can convince yourself with all the tools that we are, I was talking about and with our culture and so on, that we are making something self, uh, like safe, sorry. You'll see that basically the team will converge to processes that are close to the, the ones that, I don't know, 26262 uh, and so on are actually prescribing, right? And I think there, there is something powerful to say there, right? Where if you go that way, right, we can progressively go to something that is more and more rigorous, right? Kind of like navigating through the complexity, right? And converging into like more processes and kind of inventing our own processes to certify us something is, is uh, for ourselves, right? 
And that might be, become like the next ISO 26062 or whatever, like standard we, uh, that will happen, right? And actually, it, it happens, right? For example, we have uh, what we call AVCDL, right? Uh, which is like, uh, like a, a thing we invented here at Motion Hall, right? Uh, but that's more about like cybersecurity in terms of certifying the, your processes and so on, in terms of uh, making sure that the vehicle is cyber safe, right? And uh, it's becoming now like actually uh, a new norm, right? So I'm pretty sure that's also what's going to happen. Uh, and actually, it, it is happening right on the safety side, right? At some point, right, we'll go into maturing and uh, at some point will be the, I don't know, the future to 6062, let's say, right? Meanwhile, right, I think we need to uh, convince ourselves with metrics, hard numbers, right, that we are safe. That's interesting. I mean, I was, I was thinking... <laughs> building a team to support you know these type of projects itself has to be quite a process because you know it seems like you need a you know mindset towards safety towards redundancy towards you know elaborate testing for things that you don't know how to test <laughs> when it comes to building the team and and kind of you know finding somebody who has the right mindset because you mentioned a mindset uh, you know building a culture of safety having that mindset how is that traditionally different when you're just looking at people, let's say somebody who wants to get into the industry and you know wants to be in the AV space, like how is that mindset different? Oh, that's a very good question, right? So I think it goes a little bit um, even beyond safety, like kind of like a, in a more varieties of flavors and just safety when you are working on an AV, right? When I was telling you, there are a lot of things at, at play in, in, a, in an AV, right? Okay, there is the kind of the robot thing, like the real time, a lot of data flowing through, right? You have the cloud supporting uh, this thing, and some hardware relationships, sensors, like physical aspect of the of this thing, right? The safety, of course, on top of it. So, if you're trying to build like a good like AV developer team, right? You need a, a specific people that are very curious, right? That's often what I say to my recruiting team, right? Find me people that are a little bit interested by uh, everything, because again, right? When you join this domain, you you'll talk to people like. Uh, from all trades, right? And uh, if you are too specialized into what you are doing, I don't know, you are specialized into, I don't know, uh, IOs on a, on a system, right? It's going to be really hard for you to understand like, oh yeah, what type of IOs and how they interact. And oh, by the way, they are coming in real time. So you see what I mean? So in general, right? And that's very true for safety. I think having curious mind people that kind of like uh, understand from the shoes of uh, stepping in the shoes of somebody else, right? And look at our safety team and uh, like trying to understand what is their stress, right? Where are they coming from? And kind of uh, working with them in terms of like finding that, right? Finding this thing where where we say, yeah, you know what? I understand algorithms. I understand a little bit the infrastructure, right? We need to implement something for safety there, right? It's 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 not something you can apply like uh, already done recipes. So you need those people that can actually fill the gaps themselves, right? And again, that's true for safety, but that's true for a lot of little things or technical details that needs to get right for this robot to work. I love it, man. I think it's a very interesting space that has unique challenges. And um, I like it when there's a lot of science and there needs to be a little bit of art in terms of how you manage the people side of it. It sounds like that's a careful balancing act from everything you've explained. Yeah, definitely, right? I think that's really... uh, make or break those AV companies, right? Having the right set of people that are a tight-knit, right, that really work as a team, 
definitely world class. Again, we are really tackling a challenge of our generation almost, right? We are really pushing the boundaries into what is possible. And it means that we are pushing in a lot of values axis, right? Like in terms of uh, power consumption in the car for the compute, right? Then squeezing as much as we can in terms of infrastructure on the car, uh, scaling the cloud in terms of data, right? Everything is like, it's like at the edge of what is possible. And you need on top of that, being sure that that is safe, right? So it's definitely a high, high bar. Awesome, man. I can't thank you enough for being on and uh, sharing with us. If somebody wants to you know, follow up with you is What's a good way of getting in touch? Is LinkedIn a good place to connect with you? Do you have a preferred avenue? LinkedIn is perfect. If you're interested by uh, this domain, right? And if whatever I said actually uh, kind of uh, tickle your interest, right? Feel free to ping me, right? We we are looking for more great people like yourself. Awesome. Uh, we'll make sure to include your LinkedIn. Yeah, if somebody wants to follow up Guillaume, whether it's uh, something you mentioned, you want to get into the AV space, he's a great guy to get in touch with. Again, thank you for being on. That's it for this episode. Uh, we'll be back again, different guests, different topic. I always ask for two things. If you find the podcast useful, share it. That's how it's been growing. And secondly, if you want me to talk about something, let me know. Hit me up on LinkedIn and I'll do my best to find a guest to do that. Otherwise, until next time, goodbye. 